Hi, this is Bron Burton, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Radio Marinara, a weekly radio show exploring all things wet and salty, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Radio Marinara's Facebook page. This is Radio Marinara. We are the program about all things wet and salty. My name's Bron Burton. I'm Dr. Beach. How are you, Dr. Beach? I'm very well, Bron Burton. Good to see you. It's very nice to see you and it's nice to see Rachel panelling for us this morning. It is indeed. <laughs> First thing we got to do, as ever. Thank Tim Thorpe. <sighs> nice to see Tim too. Yeah. Nice to hear Tim. Sure. Heard Tim all the way is. in. Uh, so thank you very much, Tim. As always, wonderful uh, six hours of morning weekend radio. You can catch him next Saturday and Sunday for six more hours because that's what he does. Yeah, hardest working man in radio. Yeah. Except for perhaps Milo Eastwood over at our friend's PBS. Uh, does no, I'll, I'll, three hours every morning no, during the week. No, you're them fighting words, Dr. Beach. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, we're all brothers and sisters we in are. this great Melbourne Community of Community Radio. We are indeed. Um, and, yeah, thanks also to Andrew for Soulful Bits. And today's program is massive and we're going to launch straight in. We're going to very shortly be catching up with Jackie Younger, who I'm calling our Marinara Womble, because she's bringing our – do you remember the Wombles? I do. There's probably a few people who don't know what the Wombles are. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm well old enough to remember the Wombles. Yeah, we'll discuss that when Jackie's on the show. Um, she's bringing us a segment. Well, it's not really a segment. It's just a, a monthly kind of catch-up, which I'm calling Keep It Clean, which Jackie kind of likes. Uh, we, we do love our double entendres here on Radio Marinara, but it's a, basically a monthly roundup of incredible work done year-round by community groups and volunteers who clean up the mess. Clean up the ocean. Yeah, which is what the Wombles did. It was a kids' show back in the 70s, basically. Um uh, so this month, Jackie's going to be talking about a recent nurdle hunt by Sea Shepherd, uh, info about coming up cleanup events in March and April, and some also some Undaria cleanups, which she's doing. Undaria is an introduced seaweed, a bit of a pest. Brown kelp. Yep. Uh, so she's doing some work there with our Cade Mills, but um, Jackie's going to talk about that. Also about this rising problem of fishing gear that ends up in the sea, which, you know, people think, oh, yeah, that's been happening forever, but it's... There's more and more of it starting to emerge. Oh, yeah, and all over the place as mm. well. I mean, yeah, look forward to talking to Jack about that and a little bit about Tangaroa Blue, I'd imagine, and the, and the outstanding work that they are doing and yes. have been doing for a long time. Yeah, we can have Heidi, Heidi Tate from Tangaroa Blue on the show next week. Um, oh, with yeah. fun. But, yeah, we'll talk about that too. Then we're going to cross to Flinders Pier for a live in-situ dive report by Cara Hull, our, one of our dive reporters, um, talking about the pier but also the Flinders Icebergers are having their own equinox celebration with a jump off the pit of, of – I nearly said the petty – the pier. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it's Sunday the 19th of March, so the equinox is in two days. That's it. Then, very exciting, we've got Rex Hunter in. Um, well, normally we talk to Rex at the start of the show, but he's bringing in a very special guest. She's a postdoctoral researcher. Her name is Dr. Cami Plum, working at Monash University, and she's going to be talking to us. This is a bit of a passion project. I actually thought it was part of her research, either for her PhD or, or her postdoc work. But it's a passion project looking at the microbial ecology of shipwrecks. So I reckon this is right up your. Oh, we just love microbes at, at this end of the Radio Marinara desk. Um, yeah, so she's beaming at us from the green room. Um, she's going to be talking about what she's done. She's, she's going to attempt to, I don't know, should we steal her thunder, steal her fizz? She's going to attempt to make beer using yeasts that she's dragged up from shipwrecks. This How is good so does cool. that sound? 
It's like the concept concept of um, boutique beer has just hit a whole new level. So, yeah, really looking forward to talking to Cammy about that. Yeah, so she's going to be facing the hard questions from the microbiologist about the um, about the beer brewing, the bugs. <laughs> <laughs> and then to close the show, Soundwaves, uh, Jeff Maynard, who his self-title woke bloke, He's using 1950s movies to mansplain how women can become marine biologists. That's his words. That's the best way of doing it. Yeah. <laughs> it, should be, it should be biology 101, you know, like, marine biology 101, you know, yeah. the, the, the professional practice, you know, using those movies. 1950s movies should be an essential part of any course. I'm really like looking that. forward to this. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos and interviews, head to the Triple R website at rrr.org.au. we got about a minute for any kind of news that you might have there. I'm ripping off something from the ABC that um, alerted me to the, the world's longest surf. Blake Johnson broke the record last Friday, stepped out of the water. Blake, jo- Blake Johnson emerged from the surf at Cronulla Beach on Friday afternoon, exhausted and aching. He said he was a bit a bit cooked. Uh, <laughs> he'd, been in the, he'd broken the record of 30 hours and 11 minutes <gasps> early on Friday morning for the world's longest continual surf. When I first read this, I was thinking, wow, he's ridden one wave for 30 <laughs> hours and 11 minutes, but no, duh, you know. Sound of hand slapping in the side of head. He's been in the water catching waves for over 30 hours. And that money, um, yeah, is being raised for um, mental health, Good youth on mental health issues. Um, and it's um, going to the Chumpy Pullen Foundation. Fantastic. Chumpy Pullen from Mount Buller. Brilliant. Triple R on FM, digital, online, via the app. Triple R. Without further ado, we are now going to cross to our very own Marinara Womble, <laughs> Jackie Younger. Good morning, Jackie. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Dr. Pete. You're already making me laugh. <laughs> I just made that up. If you're wondering, if you're wondering what the Wombles were, I missed the start of the show. They were. It was a program. It was a kids' show back in the 1970s, and they basically roamed around various parts of London, picking up rubbish that people had left behind and turning them into useful things. It was, it was like the very early kind of concept of um, of reuse, I guess. So, I did not know that, so I'll take that as a compliment yeah. that you can come a Womble. <laughs> you're a Marinara Womble. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, lots and lots of stuff going on. Where do you want to start? Will we go with the noodle hunt? I think that's probably a good idea. I'm just trying to recover from the heat yesterday, so I'm a bit husky in my voice. I was at a festival all day working, so it was a bit hot, <laughs> so I'll try and get through it. Um, yeah, so uh, Sea Shepherd Marine Debris has an annual uh, noodle hunt in March. It's it's outside of the Great Global Noodle Hunt, which is in October, so they go to all different beaches across the bays. And the last noodle hunt they did at Aspendale on the 4th, 4th of March, 1,152 pieces of plastic remnants they, they found, and 806 of those were noodles. Wow. So quite a significant amount. Now, just um, uh, just for listeners who maybe haven't <coughs> heard the, the word noodle or the concept of the sure. word noodle, yeah, what's a noodle? Sure, they're the pre-production plastic pellets, so they're about three to five millimetres in um, length. They are used to make plastic products. So to give you listeners an example of, of noodles, it takes around thousand noodle pellets. They look like fish food, which is one of the problems with noodles, one of the many problems. It takes about a thousand pellets to make one plastic bottle. So for 
the listeners as well, look, years and years ago, I'm sure there were intentional releases, but they get released into the environment in, in many different ways, whether it's bad filtration, coming off ships. There's many different ways they can get into environment into the environment, and they're like little... Little toxic bombs, they attract other chemicals as well. So it's not only their size, they can be ingested by very small animals. They do attract other chemicals, so they bond with pollutants. So they're now a really dangerous little little piece of plastic. The other problem, Jackie, of course, is that they sometimes look like large grains of sand if they are oh, absolutely. Kind, of, kind of pale. Absolutely, and that's one of the problems as well. We do many. I do nettle hunts with all different organisations, and the colourful ones are easier to see. But of course, the, the colourful ones do get picked up by animals. They're attracted to the bright colours, the birds, but they do look like grains of sand. So we spend a lot of time straining sand to find the nettles in, and so it's really important work. And everything is uploaded to a globe, the globe, Great Global Nettle Hunt run by Fidra. So it's all recorded, and there's some really interesting information on the on um, on the web about where they found. Um, Aspendale where is a very um, infamous spot for nettles, but they also have another one coming up on the 25th of March in Seaford. For those who are interested in partaking and learning how to how to sift for nettles, um, and all of that information can be found on um, Sea Shepherd Marine Debris on the on the Facebook site. It would have to be. We've put a link to that on our page already, sure. Jackie. So if people Great. want to go check it out, um, they can <coughs> click on that spectacular photo of you underwater pointing at something. I'm going to ask <laughs> actually, you. Well, uh, that was I was actually pointing at a sea dragon, but I was doing a clean up. <laughs> I was going to ask you what it was that you were pointing at. Um, and it, uh, it, my finger looks about three times longer than it should be. <laughs> there, but I like it. So you, I don't have a deformed finger. <laughs> so if you, you click on the photo of you, it'll take you to some words that I've put in there, and then there's a link straight through to the Sea Shepherd Nerdle Nerdle stuff. Oh, that fantastic! They do. So, yeah, fantastic. Easy. For and look, information's find. getting out there, but I, uh, you know, I with with the school children every day, more and more of them are starting to understand what nerdles are. Everyone calls them nerdles. So that's a good start, <laughs> but uh, much more rec- much more knowledge about them than there was even a couple of years ago. Now you mentioned March twenty fifth. Is this? I'm sort of jumping to the end of what we we're going to talk about. But uh, woman car is that part of? The oh, Mar- yeah. There's a couple of things on March twenty fifth. Um, sea Shepherd has a clean up that day at Seaford, but we've also got woman car at Balnarring, which is an an absolute. That's uh, it's at Emu Plains in Balnarring, and it's a fantastic. Um, festival to celebrate First Peoples, um, First Nations culture and heritage. It's just, and there's lots of not-for-profits. There's massive approach to sustainability. It's been running for years. It's just wonderful. So if you want to learn a bit a bit, a bit more about Indigenous culture and um, sustainability in the area, come down. So uh, whereabouts in Belnaring is it? It's at Emu Plains Reserve. It used to be at the Caravan Park in Dunang, but they changed it to Emu Plains Reserve. So if, if you look up that on on um, Google Maps, you're able to find it really easy in Balnaring. And what you're saying, it's um, a really good festival sort of focusing on um, traditional owner culture in yep. that area in particular. So what sort of activities happen? Oh, oh there's so many. They've got, uh, we've got paint, they've got painting and they've got, um, there's, there's celebrate, they've got a big stage set up there. So there's obviously you're welcome to country and all different types of traditional dances and you, the, the kids can make up um, necklaces and all sorts of baskets. It's just weaving. It's just this. Everything you can think of um, is going to be at this at, at this festival. So it's a really good chance to learn about um, our Indigenous peoples and there's medicine walks and all sorts of different um, 
beach walks and it, it's just such a variety of, of things to do. You'd probably want to be there <laughs> all day. It goes from 10 till 7. Okay. So it's a bit, you know, you can take your time getting down there, but, yeah, it's it's a big festival. Okay, so Woomanjika, March 25th, Balnearing. Yep. Uh, sea Shepherd Cleanup uh, yep. in March 25th, same day. Whereabouts is that one? That's at Seaford That's Front at Seaford. Beach. Yep. Yep. And April, there's a clean-up event happening there as there's well? There's another clean-up. They're everywhere. <laughs> um, uh, Mother's Beach in Mornington, there is a marine debris clean-up on the 30th of April as well. Great chance to get down, have a chat to people, find out what's going on in the local area. Um, we always have a great time at these things. A bit of cake afterwards, maybe. <laughs> nice. We can um, we talk about the April one a bit closer to the date. Dr. Yeah, Beach, you had a course. question? Uh, I'm, just, I'm looking it up here on the computer, um, Jackie. So, balnaringfestival.com, that'll take you to the one Belnaring. Yep. Um, I think. Yeah, and if you search, just, I mean, if you, yeah, also if you just search woman, woman, Jika, the spelling's a bit funky though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah welcome. Excellent. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, so a couple of other things um, we were going sure. to talk about. One was um, Undaria. We were talking a little bit about Undaria being an introduced uh, marine pest in the form of kelp. Um, yes. And some cleanups. Now, I mentioned at the start of the show, you're gonna, this is work that you're doing in collaboration with our very own Cade Mills. Very own Cade Mills, yes. And this is also, um, we're bringing dives to you back on board for this. We're going to start, we're going to be running a monthly cleanup. Um, with Undaria, it's been here since the 80s. Um, it is, I did my honours on this um, species about 10 years ago, and at that point there was only one area on the peninsula with Undaria, which was uh, Blagari, and now it's spread to all the local piers. So we'll be training people how to identify Undaria, um, training people how to remove it. It's to be very carefully removed as it spreads by fragmentation as well. So um, any information on that can be found on the Reef Watch, um, Reef Watch Facebook page, or you can contact Kate at vpna.org. Um, really, it's really interesting species. It's one of our top global invaders. For those who are not familiar with Undaria, it is also called wakami. So it is the uh, the seaweed that wraps around your seaweed wraps when you get your sushi rolls. So it's a very similar one to that. And is it... Throughout the bay, as you alluded to before, I saw it down at Ricketts Point last weekend. Yes, Ricketts Point. I, I did my when I did my honours. We used to meet at Ricketts Point, have a look for it. It wasn't there. It it spread really easily. The, the marine parks are a bit more challenging. Um, we need special permissions to remove and remain in in the marine parks. But it all comes back to we have these top invaders: Northern Pacific sea star, Andaria, European green crab. It's about it's about weeding your own patch. Now it's about trying to look after your own patch. We would struggle to rid the bay of this species. It's a very fast grower. It, it is. It takes over any bare sort, any bare reef. Um, it's about trying to minimise the harm in your local area. So that's what we start. That's what we're concentrating on now. So just another really great way to learn about your local environment. Great for for school projects as well. <laughs> but that'll be running once a month from April, May, right through to August, August September-ish. So we'll be organising an event with DiveQ and VNPA and others. Yeah, great. We'll get Kay to give us some more information on that. And also next time we have you on, Jackie, we can have some more details about the April event coming up as well. Yeah, fantastic. It's good to start thinking about it now so people can start thinking about where they are at that time of year. So that, that'd be great. We've got about a minute left and I really did want to focus a little bit on this issue of fishing gear that ends up in the sea. Look, this is, yeah, this is, look, very quickly, this is education. This is trying to educate yourself as a fisher. 
Flinders is a really bad, bad, uh, good example. The problem with Flinders is the seagrass people use. People will not correctly weight their fishing lines. So I find lots of really crazily big sinkers that people have um, put on the end of their fishing line. The first thing that will do is snap and get tangled in the, in the seagrass. Um, people fishing on days where there's big swell and big winds, the line snaps, their sinkers are too heavy or they haven't got floats on their sinkers and the, the line just starts straight away and it's about, it's about educating people to understand that that impact is still there. You can't see it if you're on top of the water but it is still there. So it's about thinking about the correct fishing gear to use for more responsible fishing in, in a very quick one minute. <laughs> and I, I always think it's like, imagine what it would be like if you're a creature in the water and you've got a fishing line which is just wrapped, you know, which yeah. is just there and that, this, this, this obstacle. Absolutely. I, look, I've untangled many fishing lines from sea dragons and all other animals. We try to get them off the pier pylons as quickly as possible because the fishing line starts to weigh down the sponge habitat and if it gets too heavy, it just falls off. So no habitat, no fish. So if everyone looked at their fishing gear and tried to fish more responsibly, we might not not be have to collect so many sinkers and lures and lines on our cleanups. Let's leave that one there for now, Jackie, just because we've got such a packed show. But um, Oh, I've, no, fine. That's great. But Thank I've, you. I've got some really great ideas on this, um, which yep. I know other people do as well. So, uh, yeah, at some point we should all bang our heads together and come up with some solutions for this. That'd be fantastic. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate the time. Always great a, to have you on, Jackie. Yeah, great to give all you right. a proper amount of time this time as well, Jackie. Oh, great. Thank fantastic. You. Thanks, Brian. Oh, Thanks, talk, Dr. B. Talk to you soon. Bye. 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 Jackie Younger there, our Marinara Womble, talking about cleanup. Amazing work. We talked a little bit about... Fighting the good fight. Yeah, fighting the good fight. We talked about this a bit with Clean Up Australia Day. That's one day of the year. And of course, you know, there are people out there. We know you're out there. You're out there. You're cleaning stuff up all year round. So we're going to continue to draw attention to that throughout the year. Triple R on FM, digital, online and via the app. Time for our weekly dive report with Cara Hull. Good morning, Cara. Good morning, all. How are you? Yeah, well, thanks. How are you going? Yeah, I'm pretty good, thank you. You're down at Flinders Pier. I am. I'm down here with the Flinders Icebergers. We've all just done a bit of a jump in and a swim. I've had a bit of a snorkel. Is it cold? No, actually, the water temperature is probably warmer than the air temperature this morning. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking it's hardly icebergs this morning, but <laughs> it'd be fun. Lovely. <laughs> We'd love to um, have a chat to the icebergers at some point in future, Cara, just to talk about what it is that they do and the different branches of icebergers as well because I think there's been a fair bit of profile with the Brighton icebergers, but there's a group obviously down at Flinders as well, so we'll, we'll do that one in future. Whoop, your line has just sound. Oh, are you there? Yep, you there? Yeah, fantastic. Just sounded like you jumped back in the water for a second. <laughs> I was just about to say that the icebergers pick up a lot of the marine debris here and it gets turned into artwork by the local Flinders community, which is great. Just leading off from Jackie, what she said. Very nice. And what happens to the artwork? Is it something that they sell or is it on display at a gallery yeah. somewhere? So it goes, it, there's someone that makes jewellery out of it and they also makes signs. There was a say Flinders Pier signs out of it. Yeah, a lot of the fish, uh, the squid jigs, sorry. And is it for sale in Flinders at galleries or at craft markets or if people yes, are sort of think, interested in buying this stuff? Yeah. Sorry, you probably don't have the answers to that. I'm put, totally putting you on the uh, spot. I know there's a, a piece at the Plonk and Stink at the wine bar in town and I think there's a few pieces around. There's one just right here at Flinders Pier, actually. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. All right. Well, that's great. Um, well, uh, let's get to the dive report. What's diving looking like today? Obviously, it's pretty good at Flinders Pier. Yes, I definitely recommend getting down to Flinders today. The visibility is actually even really nice. 
and really, it's been a great week apart from yesterday. <laughs> but um, you know, the ah, sorry, the wind has turned south. So again, it's pretty nice around the rest of the bay, Portsea, Blagari, Rye. I'm going to say are all pretty okay today. Sounded great. So, yeah, yeah, nice clear yeah. waters. It'd be beautiful to jump in. Cara, are there other people down there besides the icebergers with you this morning? Looking like yeah. they might be jumping in. There's, there's a few divers here. They're having some fun with the weedy sea dragons. Beautiful creatures that they are. They sure are. I saw one over summer. I mentioned it a while ago. I've still got this image in my head of you know, it was up near Portsea Pier, and um, or across near Portsea Pier. And it's just such beautiful creatures to observe and to you know. I, I was only snorkeling. I wasn't on a tank or anything. And just yeah, just awesome. Yeah, they're amazing. And just seeing, you know, how they relate when the seagrasses flower and all the stuff at Flinders is really good when they have their eggs, all the things. Yeah. <laughs> um, Cara, you're mentioning that the water temperature is warmer than the air temperature at the moment. Um, what is the water temperature at the moment? Um, it was 16 degrees this oh, morning. Nice. That's yeah, so it's still nice and warm. So get down and jump in while the water's warm. There's always a, good a bit, month to be there's, diving. There's a bit of a lag, isn't there, usually? It, 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 the water temperature continues to warm up even once the air temperature starts to cool down. Yeah, exactly. Cara, what are your plans for today? You're going to hang down at um, Flinders and do a bit of diving, hang out with your mates? Uh, I think so, yes. We're just all around here having a barbecue at the moment and having some sausages and some cake and <laughs> enjoying. So we might jump back in at Flinders. Yeah, Ideal. nice one. Perfect. All right. Well, thanks for the dive report, Cara. It's always a pleasure. We'll um, thank you. Enjoy the day. We'll um, we'll catch up with you in a week or two for more dive report. Yes, excellent. <laughs> you enjoy the day. Yeah, you have a great time under the water, Cara. See ya. Thanks. Bye. Thanks. Bye for now, Cara Hull, our dive reporter. Yeah, it's nice to have a few dive reporters this year, isn't it? Getting back into that. Yeah, we had Myra last week who was on the other side of the bay. So, um, yeah, always good to know what's going on. And for me, I love the, the, the feeling. Like, I'm, I'm down in Flinders. I mean, you know, she's there, she's on the pier, she's describing what's happening. It's it's really good. Amazing. Uh, a couple of quick things to mention before we put a track on. Uh, one is that we had a, uh, a message through the Triple R text line. Um, we can't get back to you if you if you do text us, but we will see what you, um, what you text in. Uh, so this one's from Julie and she says, Hey Mariners, what is stopping this is in relation to the Nerdle um, uh, uh, commentary that Jackie was making before? What's happening to stop the Nerdles at the source? So, a, re- a really good question. Good question. A, a, a perennial problem. Um, it's something that we'd like to look into more later on. But yeah, of course, they can fall off shipping containers and there's all sorts of different sources. But uh, yeah, it's something that deserves much further um, investigation. Yep, definitely. So thanks for that, Julie. Thanks, Julie. You're listening to a Triple R podcast. Discover more podcasts from Triple R exploring science, technology, food, books, social issues, politics, and more. To listen, hit up the Triple R website or your favourite podcast platform. Rex Hunter, good morning. Good morning, Bron. How are you? Good. How are you? That woke me up. That was very good. Good. I'm glad you enjoyed it, Rex. Because I was asleep in the green room previously. <laughs> Now, we normally have you in presenting a segment about once a month, which we kind of call Rex Hunting. Yes. And um, this month, you've brought in a very special guest. Well, I've got Dr. Cammy Plum from the uh, Green Room, which sounds like a, a scene from Cluedo, the game <laughs> Cluedo. And she had a lead stick with her, so if you don't see us again, she's murdered us. Oh, basically. Very... No, Dr. Cam- Cammy Plum's from uh, Monash Uni. She's uh, just finished her PhD. Uh, her background's in uh, bacteria which sounds horrible, and uh, but she's had a, a long interest in the sea, sailed Bass Strait with her father, uh, dived, 
found the, found the true true word with shipwrecks, and now I've brought her in to let her loose and talk about bacteria. Good morning, Cammy. Good morning. Great to be here. Yeah, really good to have you here. Now we mentioned at the start of the program that the the work that you're about to talk about is of particular interest to Dr Beach. I hope so. Well, it is, yeah, all things microbial and, and small and um, and I guess fungoid as well. I'm in a bit of fungus here. Well, I hope you brought your barbecue because I'm here for a grilling. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, very good. So there's a whole lot of stuff we want to talk to you about and I'll, I'll just say up front, we're going to get you back because there's um, Dr Beach was mentioning at the start of the show that there's some work that you're kind of gearing up to do. There's a few kind of logistical hurdles that you have to clear first in terms of permits and whatever, but um, but looking at uh, potentially brewing some beer from yeast from uh, like a 150-year-old beer bottle. Is yeah, an incredibly exciting project on the horizon. You might remember uh, Jim Anderson who discovered a 150-year-old old bottle of stout that he returned to Glasgow and he has quite a few artefacts that he uh, is... Uh, what's the word? Custodian. Custodian of for uh, the Commonwealth. Yep. And so I'm applying for a permit with Heritage Victoria because, uh, of course, you want to look after the artefact. Yes. Um, but hoping that if uh, we know that yeast is really resilient and can live for a really long time. So yeah. I'm hoping there might be something inside that bottle yep. that I can culture up and, and use for some experiments that result in a really tasty drink. I'm, I'm, pu- I'm putting my hand up here. <laughs> I, 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 I don't remember the whole Jim Anderson thing at the start. I do. So I'm sure there's a few listeners who might want to be reminded on that too. Yeah, it was um it was quite it made the age didn't it I remember yeah, there being an article in the age about Jim it. um Jim Anderson found a um, bottle of stout on the light of the wreck of the light of the age which is about eighteen sixty I think and it had the tenant brewery um, imprint on the bottom of the bottle so uh, and it was, was able to return yeah. it uh, yeah. with a permit from the Commonwealth so now I believe tenant is custodian of that bottle and it has a, a nice little exhibit if ever you visit the brewery in Glasgow right. go check it out but Jim Anderson sounds like I should know who Jim Anderson is to start off with. <laughs> Jim Anderson's a local living uh, sh- shipwreck legend from um, Geelong and we had him in uh, late last year. On the show, obviously. Yeah, on the that show. Week. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't get the invite, Beach. I didn't get the invite. <laughs> it might not have been one of your shows, Beach. <laughs> might not have been but one fascinating, of fascinating guy, really, really interesting mm-hmm. and loads of stories. And by the way, he met uh, Billy, Billy Connolly when he was in Scotland. Oh, wow. In the street. Wait, in the street? Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right, so let's focus on microbial ecology of shipwrecks. And so we're really getting, you know, we've, we've talked about shipwrecks a lot, Rex. I mean, that's why you're here. <laughs> yes. And we've learned a lot about particularly local shipwrecks over the years. Um, but we tend to kind of focus on, you know, what you can find on the wrecks as far as their structure, but also things like beer bottles and, you know, big things. But there's a whole lot going on, obviously, in terms of growth, but then at a really kind of tiny, tiny level too, and that's where you come in, Kevin. For sure. We think of the ocean as its own ecosystem, but there are actually a bunch of other smaller ecosystems or what we call biomes or microbiomes that um, live within the larger ocean ecosystem and shipwrecks are one of them. Um, We know that shipwrecks are often sunk, whether on purpose or by accident, uh, for the purpose of and become artificial reefs. And in this case... It is really a case of the whale that ate the fish, that ate the the bug, that ate um, 
nutrients and food that was provided by this bacteria. So it is the bottom of the ecosystem and, and really important for growing the things that we love to see when we dive or go fishing over wrecks. So, so Cammy, you're interested in, the, in the, the small things, the bacteria, the marine fungi that are rotting the wood, decomposing the wood or, or, or living there and providing habitat and food for for other organisms. So that's one of my big questions is, well, firstly, who lives there? And secondly, where do they come from? Do they come from the local natural environment or do they come from um, land and pollution via rain and and water runoff? And then what do they do? Are they helping... consume oxygen to make a nice anaerobic environment that protects the wreck? Or are they utilising the carbon in the wood and eating away at it? So we can think of it as a a kind of a biological way to help conserve shipwrecks by looking under the microscope, so to say, to think about what's going on at at the base level of the ecosystem. Is there there much known about this already? So there's some really cool work out of um, the Hamden Lab in Mississippi that looked at the effect of uh, Deepwater Horizon, the big oil spill in 2010, and how that affects shipwrecks in the Gulf of Mexico, um, which, you know, can be four kilometres deep. And they found that even 10, 15 years later, there is an effect on the microbiome and that uh, the oil spill created a stress response in a lot of the bacteria that live on the wrecks. Um, Now... Gulf of Mexico is incredibly deep compared yeah. to yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, the Port Bay. Like that, was, that was 14, 13, 14. Right, ago. but wow. we can look close to home and, and think about other pollution that might affect um, shipwrecks in Port Phillip Bay. So when it rains, um, there's a lot of pollution that, that comes off the land that we can't see, whether it's pesticides yep. or um, PFAS, the forever chemicals that we've oh, yeah. started talking about a bit more. Um, but there's also bacteria that might live in uh, soil and I hope no one's eating their breakfast right now because we're going to have some <laughs> poo talk. <laughs> um, but bacteria does come from some leaky septic and, and other sources from the land and all of that... Um, enters the bay. If ever you've looked up the EPA beach report, you know that maybe there's poor water quality after it rains. It might look a bit muddy and not great to swim in. But ultimately, some of those um, microbes, bacteria, will uh, not like living in an environment that's different to what they're used to, so might die off. But some of them might adapt and um, find a habitat like a shipwreck that they could live on. So one of my questions is looking at um, where do these bacteria come from and can bacteria from land that may have found ways to withstand pollution um, and have these resistance mechanisms that are good for uh, environmental processes end up on shipwrecks, colonise it and help protect it? That's one of my questions. But but I can imagine that also they they might colonise the shipwreck and also contribute to rotting it or perhaps fungi which have come from the land into the ocean. So imagine like driftwood um, getting into the ocean, trees falling down. Um, they will bring the bacteria or the associated fungi that are on them into the ocean. Some of those might survive in the marine habitat. A lot won't. And I guess these are some of the questions that you need to... That you're For sure. And I guess symbiosis isn't always getting along. Some of, it time, some of the time it, it is a bit of a fight between um, the bacteria that were already there and pre-existing trying to attack off um, the, the newcomers. Yeah. That isn't always peace. Sometimes there's a bit of war in there as well. Wow. Yeah. 
So the photo that we've put on our Facebook page is of you holding a couple of sample bottles. Mm-hmm. Where, where were they taken? Um, so back in 2021, I did a, a field trip. Um, PT, uh, sorry, Rex came along <laughs> and <laughs> uh, drove the boat for us. And I was interested in the shipwreck Uralba that's just off Patterson River. Um, and if you've ever dived there before, you know that it's really silty. And so when you're collecting some mud samples, it really quickly becomes zero visibility diving. Um, and so the first thing I did was collect some water samples. And I did it on a whole transect from the Patterson River out to Uralba. And what I found was that in the Patterson River and over Uralba, um, there was the presence of a faecal indicator organism called enterococci, um, but not in the middle in between the two spots. So I thought it was really interesting that that this faecal indicator was in the water overlying the wreck, um, but not in between the river and the wreck. So it made me think, where, well, where did it come from? Did someone just um, empty their bilge tank upstream? Um, and so that uh, caused an investigation of the sediment um, around the wreck. And what I found there was that actually a lot of the bacteria are environmentals. And here's where you get to hear me butcher some Latin genera names of Woziaceaceae, Sandericinaceae and Flavobacteriaceae. <laughs> and um, these are ones that we know live in um, marine environments and and can colonise the sand. But one interesting thing that I... Or two interesting things that I found, firstly, was that there were... 1,400 different bacteria living on the wreck. Oh I, was, I was about to say before, yeah, I, I, when you talked about the EPA, the monitoring in the bay, they talked about E. coli, but of course there's just, you know, there's thousands, millions of other types of bacteria, many of which we don't understand. And so one thing that was exciting was that 30% of those 1,400 are unknown or uncultured. And so we think about the ocean floor as an um, uh, undiscovered or... Envir- a terrain, but really there's so much in our backyard that we don't know. Wow. Yeah. And then the second final um, exciting point was that the microbiome of the wreck and the one metre around the wreck was really different to the environment even five or ten metres away from the wreck. Cool. Absolutely amazing. So your work is going to continue to explore this stuff. So. Yep, brilliant. So we'll get you back, Camille. Looking forward to it. And uh, please let us know through Rex when you have the permits. We're going to say when because this is such exciting stuff, so hopefully it's a when, um, to, to have a look at yeast. Well, I want to talk about yeast. We'll do that next time as well. Fantastic. Yeast Looking on, forward to yeast it. Yeast on fix, shipwrecks, yeah. Brilliant. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Rex. That's all right. Yeah, I just found Cammy. She was just caught the tram past. <laughs> <laughs> Over the road having a coffee. Brilliant. We'll catch up with you soon too, Rex, and okay. talk about the stuff that you've been doing. Triple R. You're listening to a Triple R podcast. Discover more podcasts from Triple R exploring science, technology, food, books, social issues, politics, and more. To listen, hit up the Triple R website or your favourite podcast platform. Uh, Jeff Maynard, good morning. Good morning, Brian. It's always a pleasure. It's a particular I pleasure wasn't today. Here. Um, really? I, yeah, I think I've, I've made a huge mistake. 
Uh, I nearly rang you about 11 o'clock last night and said, look, I'm having a crisis of identity and can we just cancel my segment tomorrow? Right. I didn't. I'll, I'll go through it, but I just want to say at the start, don't shoot the messenger, okay? <laughs> Do you know what it occurred to us before the start of the program is that every single guest today on the show is is a woman. Oh, dear. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> well, uh, excuse me, Rex Hunter. And they've all been fabulous. Yeah, uh, well, anyway, all right. Okay, uh, look, I'm just going to plough through it and not make minimum. But nice. as you know, this year in Soundwaves, I've been doing, uh, nine, as I always do, 1950s and 60s TV shows and trying to interpret modern things using those. And this year it's been women in diving, but I think I've... Uh, I've really painted myself in, well, more than painted in a corner. Anyway, I'm, I'm just going to plough on. Anyway, I've got three tracks, and the first is from a 1960s TV version of uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, where Professor Arano has a daughter who wants to become a marine biologist. And remember, this is set in the 1860s, the actual story. Uh, and he catches up with his daughter after a long time, and she's just having a chat to him. So let's have a go. Sophie, what a surprise. What are you doing here? I had to get away from Baltimore for a couple of days. What is it? Something wrong? Fred Essenhoff asked me to marry him. Why? What did you tell him? No. I thought you were well disposed toward him. Do you know what he said to me, Father? What? That Johns Hopkins would never grant a woman tenure in the zoology department. That the only way to do the kind of research that I want to do is to marry him and assist with his. Sophie, I know very well I've had little influence over you since your mother died. You influence me in everything. But let me influence you in this. Marry him. Ooh, yeah, I know. It's, it's actually, when I sort of listened to them, because I did them during the week off Thursday, Friday, when I listened to them, I'm going, it's actually quite scary. It's, it's actually quite. I, I can see the problems dark. you were having late last night. Sorry? I can see the problems that you were having late yeah, last night. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't get any better. And <laughs> I, I'm thinking, this is actually, when you see this and you look at this, you think, mm. my goodness, this is just such. Uh, the second track is, and I've just got to plough on, really, I, is from a 1960s TV show. Uh, 1959 it started, Sea Hunt with Mike Nelson. And Mike was a uh, freelance diver. Every week he'd have a 30-minute adventure, um, find something underwater. And this uh, this was, you know, remember this show is rated G and the family, mum and dad and all the kids that sit around and watch Mike Nelson each week. And in this episode he's uh, got, he's with a woman, diving with a woman called Blaze and they've got those little electric scooters and they're zooming along under the water. So let's have a listen to Mike Nelson. I managed to work up a good lead when I saw trouble dead ahead. A whale, then another. It was a school of whales. I signaled to Blaze to stop, and she began to slow down. But then, before I could move, she gave her scooter the gun and headed straight for the school. For a second, I couldn't believe it. Then I realized that Blaze had no idea how dangerous a whale could be. One casual nudge from its tail and she'd be broken in half. After a quick look, she went right on through the school. She needed a good spanking, but I didn't have the time to give it to her. My hair was running out. Oh my God. Oh my God. I know. Can you believe it? It's like, really? You know? And, and like, coming back to what you just said before, this was like family This television. was family entertainment. Yeah, uh, this was, this would be about 1960 and it's oh. 30 minutes TV and mum and dad and the little kids would all sit down with their 
biscuits or their scones or something at seven o'clock at night and watch this. Wow. And it's like, wow, it's, it's actually... OK, look, I'm just going to plough on because I, I really don't know what else to do. Uh, the third track is from a 1950s movie called The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, I think, and there's a marine biologist put aboard a uh, Navy ship uh, because there's some giant octopus or something doing something and uh, the, the, so we're, we're listening to the marine biologist talk to the captain of the ship and another fellow on the ship as well. A, you'd want me to miss the opportunity to see this specimen, one that may never come again. B, you'd be making up my mind for me. And C, I not only don't like being pushed around, but you underestimate my ability to help in a crisis. Maybe you could help me convince her that she ought to beat it and let the Navy take over this job. Beat it? What is she saying? What's the difference what she says? Look, Pete, you don't see many women in the seagoing Navy. Are you kidding? Oh, shoreside women, sure. But there's a whole new breed who feel they're just as smart, just as courageous as men. They don't like to be overprotected. They don't like to have their initiative taken away from <laughs> A whole new breed. There's oh a whole God, new breed of women in the 1950s. Who knew? Shock the horror. It's, it's, it's actually, when, it, when it's actually not that sort of almost an inherent underlying violence, there's... Um, it's condescending at the best of times. Mm. It's just quite incredible. And it's like, and this is like culturally the norm in a sense. Yeah. You know, it was just so much through everything that uh, no one noticed it. I like to think we've come a long way in the last 70 years. Uh, well, I think we have because we can actually look at it and see, you know, like we're doing now, and to, yeah. you know, look at that. And I think that's probably obviously the first step. Still a long way to go. Thanks, Jeff. Oh, uh, well, I'd say a pleasure, but it was like, that was strange. That was very educational, as always, and uh, look forward to having you back again in a month's time. Yes. We'll talk about your new book too. We'll talk about that we'll do. as well. Excellent. Thanks, Dr Beach. A pleasure. Thank you, Rachel, very much, and uh, thanks to all our guests today, to uh, also to Rex Hunter, Cammy Plum, Cara Hull, and Jackie Younger. On our program next week, Farm will be in, and we're going to be speaking with, uh, catching up with Ben Francis Shelley, talk about coastal paleontology, Heidi Tate from Tangaroa Blue, and very excited to be catching up with Rob Lorenzen with Spike, his dog, and uh, and he's got a new dog as well. They've been up surfing at the Nurses Noosa Surf Festival, dog surfing in Noosa, so that'll be fun for next week's Marinara. Stay tuned for Radiotherapy, and we'll catch you next week for more Marinara. Bye-bye. Bye for now. That's right, Triple R. Hi, this is Bron Burton. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Radio Marinara, a weekly radio show exploring all things wet and salty, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Radio Marinara's Facebook page.